0: Live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Carr claps his hands,
1: now gets the ball, back to pass again, fires towards the end zone, Adams reaches, grabs! Diving grab for his first Raiders touchdown! Plenty of time over the middle, it's incomplete, and it's a two point conversion that fails. Carr, here comes the pressure, steps up, man around him, doesn't get rid of it, he fumbles the ball, and the doesn't Chargers matter. are on top of it.
0: Doesn't matter. It's the sick
1: down. sack of Derek Carr gives the Chargers the ball back with 1.52 to go in the ball game.
0: It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: All right, here we go. Twin Peaks on a Monday. Willie Ramirez is here. He's the host of the Twin Peaks Monday Night Football Party. Homecoming for Russell Wilson against Seattle. That comes up a little after 5 o'clock. We go until 5, 2 to 5 every Monday. So every Monday and Thursday, Cofield and Company push back an hour. We get out of the way for the national broadcast of NFL Action on Mondays. And Thursdays, we're back at a familiar spot. Love it here at Twin Peaks in Henderson on Eastern just off of the 215. Coldest beers in town, awesome specials, really good local specials. Hard to find, right? Now the prices have jumped up all over the place, but you can get the big beer here, 22 ounces for under $4. bucks. you got appetizers, 2 4 and $6, and then a full menu. It's a good menu. I know Willie eats lunch here just about every Monday, so uh, he can attest to it, I can attest to it. Really good food and cold beer. Can't ask for more on a Monday night, and it's a great spot with 40-plus TVs to watch sports seven days a week twin peaks on a monday with cofield and companies how you doing buddy you you tired long weekend a lot to cover aces in the uh, wnba finals all the nfl all the college football slamming and jamming here we go the fall is here
3: it's it is insane what you know last week preparing the raiders right preparing raiders coverage for ap leading up to the trip to la and then at the same time the ace is preparing for the WNBA Finals as the uh, top seed. So you have media day mixed in with media availability, um, UNLV football, of course, our shows down, you know, around town. And just, I mean, I looked up yesterday and I called my mom in a 20-minute window that I had time just to check in with her. She goes, how you doing? I said, well, since last Friday, this was yesterday, Sunday. So in the last three days, going to the following Monday – I have something, whether it's a game, being at the Raiders facility, a radio show, you name it. So, it's we're slamming and jamming, baby. September's football's here, and the Aces are in the WNBA finals.
2: We'll get to the Aces a little later in the show. Willie's here. It's Cofield. Mateo's helping out with the setup down at Twin Peaks. Let's get into it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. A lot of injury notes to get to with the Raiders. We'll get to those. We'll get to the Cowboys later on. What a freaking joke of an off season the Cowboys had, and now they just got punched in the face multiple times with that game last night. So we'll get you updated on uh, injury situation Dak down for, who knows, six, seven, eight games. What a mess in Dallas. Messy yesterday in L.A. for the Raiders, and it's a long season. But sadly, a lot of the stuff we discussed, the focal point of training camp, the question marks about the offensive line kind of ruled the narrative of the game for the Raiders because Derek Carr didn't have a lot of time to throw. He got flustered. He threw interceptions. He got sacked. He fumbled. I mean, it was worst case scenario against a much better defense than it was a year ago. And now you got bookend edges in Bosa and Khalil Mack. And for anyone out there who's like, ah, oh, Mack's 31. It kind of disappeared with the Bears. Uh, he still got it because he freaking terrorized the Raiders yesterday. Give me one of the sacks. Car gets the snap, looks over the middle,
1: Chargers bring six, and they get to him. Khalil Mack coming off the right
2: side, and there is a flag there, too. Now, one of three sacks against four different offensive line combinations. It was a mess, and then the sad thing is, Willie, the defense played good enough in spots, especially in the second half, to keep the Raiders in the game. The Chargers continue to have the same issue they've had over the years terms of converting third downs and running clock and the offense couldn't take advantage of it because the protection was not there on multiple final drives they got it to twenty four nineteen they missed on the two-point conversion but that was a story in the second half is they couldn't protect Derek Carr and he got flustered and it's one of those things where you have to wonder um,
3: I mean it's a good sign that they scrapped to keep it close to put themselves in a position to win the game. But at the same time, it provi- it provides somewhat of a narrative to say, well, let's, what, what positives can we take from this? You, you can take whatever you want from it, but it, the, the negatives are what need to be brought to the forefront. We're going to touch upon it throughout the show. Because, um, you know, the questions of wh- whose place where whose fault is this? Where does this lie? Is it this? Is it this? Is this? I have my sole belief as to where it lies, but I mean – um, they have a lot of work to do, end of story. You know what I mean? There's The positives that you want to take from this is heart and desire to win a football game. Outside of that, even if you want to talk about Derek Carr's and Devontae Adams' connection and, and, and that immediate, you know, gel was there, um, Darren Waller had a big, you know, I mean, it's irrelevant. Yeah. It's irrelevant.
2: I You break down the plays, you got a third and a fourth down, down the stretch. They're key plays. They get sacked on both. Carr fumbles on both. On third down, it's a third and three. You got Colton Miller matched up against Khalil Mack. You have Thayer Munford. Think about this. They're trying so many combinations, and the Leatherwood thing did not work out. Denzel Good walks. So now all of a sudden you got this right tackle question. And on the right side you have Thayer Munford, a seventh-round pick, having to go against Bosa. And on the third and three, Carr drops back. The pocket is folding on him because – Colton Miller gets pushed way back towards Carr. Bosa doesn't give up on the play. Carr is then fixated. He looks out to his left at the first down marker, and he's locked in on Renfro. Meanwhile, Mack Hollins just runs a little in route, a little slant, wide open. Wide open at the first down marker, and Carr holds it too long, and they both fold on him because Mac got him. And then Bosa comes from way around because Mumford's like, I can't believe, you know, I'm sure he's like, I did my job. He's pushed 10 yards back, yeah. but that's Bosa, strips it out. And then fourth down, they make a little tweak on the Chargers side. Derwin James is covering Devontae Adams, who did torch the J.C. Jacksonless Chargers. But on fourth down, it was the same thing. Both guys got pressure. The pocket collapses quickly. You get enough pressure, and then Mack's going in there and punching the ball out. And Khalil Mack was really the story of the game, Bosa helping him. But Mack was the story of the game. Tackles, force fumbles, yeah. freaking sacks, three sacks for the game. And on the edge, Colton Miller is a good player. But where do you give help, right? You can't you can't really give Colton Miller help. you got to give help on the right side. They didn't, and both guys just got destroyed on the biggest plays of the game. And just watch.
3: It wasn't as if. It wasn't as if you know their their agility and their maneuvers to get through the offensive line is one thing. It was the way that Khalil Mack was just bullying his way. I, you know what? One of the sacks. I mean, he just he decided to bring Jermaine Illuminar with him. and Come on, let's sack him together. So he's controlling Jermaine in one arm and he's sacking Carr with the other. I mean, it was just it's like men against boys. It was it was it was really sort of disappointing to watch. After all the speeches of well, you know. It, can't just put the same five guys out there this is how it's done okay <laughs> chemistry went out the door that day so
2: give us a fourth down ari
3: adams in motion
1: left to right settles it in the slot on the right snap car here comes the pressure steps up man around him doesn't get rid of it he All fumbles out. the ball and the doesn't chargers matter. are on top of it
0: doesn't matter it's the six
1: sack of Derek Carr gives the chargers the ball back with 1.52 to go in the ball game, and the Chargers can ice this with a first down.
2: What a freaking mess, total mess. Run defense was good, defense came up big in multiple spots, the Raiders did in the second half, but by that point in the game, just not enough protection for Derek Carr. They wound up losing this one 24-19. You know The season's not over, this is gonna be a very competitive division, but. Man, they got to find the right offensive line combination. They got to get this right. If they need to get extra protection, then they got to slide something over and clearly on those two plays, Carr was under pressure, but on those plays, you've got to get the ball out. That was the the narrative all off season, right? Hey, the offensive line is a work in progress. That means we're going to have to get the ball out quickly and they simply didn't get the ball out quickly.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
1: I think that the guys on our team care so much about winning and care so much about each other that we kind of forget it's a long season, but that's the mindset you got to have. you got to give everything you have for that one game and then go on to the next one. And we did do some things good, and we did some things we needed to correct, but from our standpoint, we just got to keep improving and move on and grow from it.
0: You're listening to Covield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Twin
2: Peaks on a Monday, Monday Night Football coming up. We'll get into the betting angles. JVT will be on in our 4 o'clock hour. That's our final hour on Monday. So, again, you know, folks who have been around Las Vegas for a while, I don't know that you're keeping up with our schedule. We got 2 to 5 on Mondays and Thursdays because NFL football comes on ESPN Las Vegas right after our show. So, 2 to 5 today. And then Willie is out here until 7, giving out prizes, taking photos with the ladies, kissing <clears> babies, <throat> shaking hands, maybe fist bumping. Have you gotten out of the shaking hands thing? Because I'm right back into it. I don't want to have a long discussion on this, but man, oh, man, it's hard.
3: Well, you remember Maddie? Yes. The, she came over gave me a big hug. Oh, okay. She asked so me, she you're, asked me your, how
2: Kahlua was. Your pro hug on that one. That's not a fist bump. Huh?
3: Well, she just rolled up on I me, mean, and we. What are you going to do? Talk, we talked. She she has a new dachshund. We talked about that last year. Oh, that's year, right. That's so right. She's, she's got a dachshund two young now. lady. She's yeah. got two now. So yeah, we we, so you ca- don't, we you, caught up.
2: You're not you're uh, you're not fleet of foot right now. You're ready to scoot out of the way, avoid the hug from the Twin Peaks servers, and just give him a fist bump.
3: I would give you a hug, but you're not a hugger. I'm just saying. I'm like, I, I don't. I mean, you know. I mean, a couple of during media day, a couple of a couple of the WNBA players who hadn't seen me in a while, they they rolled up and gave me the dap and hug thing. So I mean, I I I'm not. I mean,
2: you're back. Covid be damned.
3: We're well past it. I mean, Jesus, I, I think I've I just had, thought we adjusted. I, our, I thought we
2: adjusted our whole mindset. That I've was had it no once, maybe twice. No
3: got got vaccinated, got the booster. I mean, at this point, you know what I did in my twenties is going to kill me before Covid. So can I we, got it. Can we get on? Can we move on? Now? Oh yeah. All right. Well, you said you didn't want to get long-winded. Well, about I wanted it, to,
2: right? I wanted to make sure we knew that you hugged a couple of the ladies here. That's good. They're looking good too. They're looking good. Remember, uh, throughout the year too, they've got theme nights here. Mm-hmm. So there'll be some exciting nights during the fall. Oh I know In, into the, the into the winter with Monday Night Football.
3: The two that the, the two that, that have always been, you know, they're they're all friendly. But the two that have taken care of us when we come early, sometimes to prepare Faith and then Maddie, they're here again. So I'm pleased about that. But they're all fantastic. The service and as you mentioned earlier, the food is ridiculous. So if you get down here, I'm not going to go through the list. But if you get down here, I'll tell you my favorites. I've never had a complaint when I've referred a specific dish from this menu.
2: So the number one story coming out of this game with the Raiders losing to the Chargers on the road, really a home game because there were a crap ton of Raiders fans there, is the offensive line, right? And they had some moments. You know, I saw some of the PFF rankings. Illuminor actually rated decently for the game. But, you know, it's clear this wasn't a preseason game, so there was no need to shuffle four different O-line combinations throughout. But they did it because of the way the line was playing and struggling at times, and this is a long answer here, but listen to Josh McDaniels talk about the positives and the negatives and what he thought of the offensive line, the Raiders offensive line in this first game lost to the Chargers.
4: I think they all played competitively. Um, I really do. Um, you know, and like I said, we're, we're, not, we're not searching for anything. We're playing the guys that deserve to play. Um, you know, there's seven guys that played yesterday because they earned the opportunity with their performance throughout the course of the preseason. Um, and in training camp and they they've done it through thousands of reps, you know, and so um, If something were to to break and say hey, you know, these five are clearly, you know Different from the other five then you know, we, we could go in that direction, but I thought the two young players, you know uh, acquitted themselves decent um, There's gonna be things that we're gonna correct today across the board all five guys all seven guys that played um, I also think there was You know they did a they did a lot of good things in the game that gave us opportunities to make plays both in a running game and the passing game um you know we we can we can blitz pick up better uh you know we had a couple issues with our backs you know just in terms of overall protection Um, we had a couple things where we were trying to you know help the protection and didn't didn't do it necessarily the way that we wanted to do it and and then we had a couple of issues where you know we probably could have got the ball out a little quicker based on something that was available to us. So I've always believed that protection is a team thing. It's not just on the offensive line. Um, you know, I've coached in a lot of games where we've thrown it 50 times and never been touched. And the reason we didn't get touched is because we, you know, the the whole design of the play was to get it out fast. You know what I mean? And so maybe the offensive line got a ton of credit that day, but I'm not really sure that it was just on them. You know what I mean? So it's a function of everybody doing their job. It really is. It won't ever be any different, you know. So they got to do their job, but so do the skill guys, so do the backs and blitz pickups, so do the tight ends. So, um, But I thought those guys competed hard. I thought they gave us an opportunity to win. Um, you know? And, and again, we're going to fix a lot of things today and correct them, so hopefully we'll be better for it.
2: I like that answer. A lot of detail. There were a lot of comments about other positions and people other than the offensive line. We'll get to that in a second. But you're shaking your head. Do you just think that's a long answer to cover for I, the I, failures I, of the line? Is that what you think he's just covering for? Him?
3: I was missing something that didn't happen that his mentor gave us when he after they got smashed here in Las Vegas. It all falls on me. I'm the coach. I got to go back and fix it. I didn't hear anything. We'll look at it, but it's a team thing. It's this. I've done this. When the when they got to get the ball out quicker, dude. Six sacks. Comes down to it. You use seven linemen. I'm looking at the percentage of time. Simpson, Miller, James were in there uh, for 58 plays, 100 percent of the time. By the way, Andre James is now being. Right, he's under concussion. sounded like he had to
2: stay in L.A. briefly for concussion issues, and and, uh, McDaniel said he was back in town as of uh, like 11 o'clock this morning.
3: Illuminor, 40 plays, 69% of the time. Parham, 60% of the time. Everyone was raving about. Munford, 18 plays, 31% of the time. Lester Cotton, we heard a lot about him. So you you still use your rotation, and, yes, you said this is – This is something where it's normal. You're not going to have the same five guys. But, my gosh, I just, you know. No, it doesn't all fall. He's right. It doesn't all fall on the offensive line. But it goes back to, you know, finding the right five instead of playing the – the rotation game so much as you did because they obviously don't aren't comfortable with the rotation or, or the well, seven
2: guys play they all deserve to play that's what he said oh okay well I guess they've all earned the Derek, Carr didn't,
3: Derek Carr didn't deserve to get sacked
2: six times how's that I mean I think he also said multiple times in that statement we have to get the ball out quicker, quicker. I who, who is that a function of is that Illuminor is that Colton Miller it's Derek Carr
3: Really? Yes. Maybe he should have gotten to the preseason game and got some action. Well, where's that fall from? That
2: is, that is another great thing to discuss. Yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, I'm holding on well, to that. I'll say, Herbert didn't play in the preseason. No, I don't care. And he lo- no, I'm just saying, he looked pretty sharp. Mm. Carr didn't play in the preseason. He looked a little scurred. And we'll also point out later on, Mahomes, the best quarterback in the league, arguably the best quarterback in the league, did play in the preseason. And yesterday, he looked awesome. So, for every quarterback, it's a little bit different, right? And, of course, no. we're Monday afternoon quarterbacking here, Mm-mm. pun intended. Mm. When guys don't play, we're like, well, it must have been because of Carr and the timing. And, no. And they didn't play in the preseason. You're right. Herbert didn't play in the preseason. But guess what? He's got the same
3: coaching staff. Carr didn't play oh, in okay. the preseason, and he's got a new system that he's got to get used to. I know that Carr said, hey, I can get a lot more out of the okay. two days with Patriots uh, uh, dual practices than I can in a preseason game. I don't care. You're not looking at live action. This was a brand-new system. This falls – look, I don't know when we were supposed to get to this, but I'm just going to put it no, out there. No, there's
2: no getting to it. You okay. you go off when you want. I don't care. We have a show just plotted me, out, but if you have me, an explosion, you me, don't hold it in, Willie.
3: To me, yes. Did Derek Carr make mistakes, whether it was not looking to his left, checkdowns, whatever it may be? Sure. everybody. I'm sure Herbert made a mistake in that game yesterday. He's going to go back – made, Herbert made several. Right. Well, but – this falls on the coaching staff this loss falls on the coaching staff you chose not to play your starters you chose to look at specific rotations of your offensive line you you chose to use specific lineups yeah. but The key thing of this whole, the the key addition of this whole team was Devontae Adams. And everyone was like, oh, they're going to pick up right where they left off from Fresno State. Okay, maybe so, and maybe they had a great connection. But you know what? This is a brand-new system with a brand-new coaching staff, Derek Carr. It was clear that he needed to see, even if it was one series for every game. Heck, you had Josh Jacobs in the first two series of the Hall of Fame game. You get Carr some sort of comfortability. I am not putting this on Derek Carr in any way, shape, or form.
2: I thought one of the best moments of the press conference today was after Carr got bruised and battered and beaten and looked flustered. And you remember the comments a year ago, right? Remember how everyone was like, oh, Joey Bosa, saying Carr plays scared. Oh, we're going to get him back. And they did. They won the they won the second game. But there were actually ex-NFL players who were saying, "But you know, Bosa's got to dial it down a little bit, rip it on Derek Carr. Like, why? That's part of the game. Of the game. And there were moments yesterday where Derek Carr was ducking for his life, and then we saw in the final two big plays that he fumbled on both of them. They got the ball back on the third. I don't even know what the hell happened on fourth. It didn't matter. It was a, it was a turnover. Um, is the solution to keeping the defense honest a few more scramble runs or organized runs? That was asked today at the press conference of McDaniel.
4: I would like that not to happen a uh, whole lot. I'm not a big fan of our quarterbacks doing that necessarily, but if it presented itself and the situation was right, of course the guys are going to do that, um, you know, and Derek's done that over his career. And, um, you know, I don't think we didn't have a whole lot of rushing yesterday between the two quarterbacks. But, um, you know, I, I think if it's necessary and you and you need it, yes. Yes. Um, Preferably, uh, I'd like to keep that little cocoon, you know, in a, in a nice spot and let him throw the ball from the, from the, from the pocket. So um, hopefully we can do that a little better.
2: Yep. Well, and, and the other thing is those edges play put, uh, pretty responsibly. You know what I mean? They're not getting blown out to where they're 10 yards behind the play very often. And the other thing is up the middle, the Chargers' new defensive inside combination did a pretty good job of getting pressure as well, so there really wasn't anywhere for Carter Run. And, and I'll tell you the other thing, Willie. Yeah. One of the things we discussed yeah. when you have great edges mm-hmm. going against you, you've got to run the ball between the tackles, and the Raiders just didn't run the ball effectively or often. It's like they didn't try.
3: My colleague Joe Reedy from, from LA with AP just tweeted this out per next gen stats. Chargers Mac and Bosa combined for four-and-a-half sacks, 16 quarterback pressures, 10 quarterback hits, and two quarterback hits causing turnovers. The Raiders, Jones and Crosby, no preseason time. Zero sacks, nine pressures, five quarterback hits. Now, I'm not saying that Max Crosby and Chandler Jones don't know what they're doing. It's a different animal when you're on the defensive line and you're going after someone. ah! But, I don't know, maybe a series or two would help. I'm just saying.
0: Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.
3: Carr, this
1: time fires over the middle to Darren Waller, it's intercepted at the 45. Picked off by the Chargers, Drew Tranquil at the 35. And he's finally brought down by Bolden at the 30.
0: Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night
2: Football, it's Cofield and Company. Breaking down Raiders, lost to the Chargers. Willie Ramirez, Cofield Willie, laying out the case that the Raiders in many ways didn't look prepared, didn't look sharp, and you remember most of the key players didn't play during the preseason. Let's bring in Greg Bell, former NFL player, Bills, Raiders, Rams, Notre Dame guy as well. He's up with Stephen Willie here in Vegas. How are you, sir?
0: Well, goodness gracious, you you just mentioned all my teams. You know how I'm feeling this week.
2: (laughs) 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 Oh. Oh, All right, let's let's see if you bring the I'm hammer. Hanging in there. Yeah, I'm let, hanging in there. There you go. Let let's see if you bring the hammer here uh there were some teams this week that did not look super prepared. Some offensive lines have played terribly. Uh give me your general take on what you saw in the Raiders Chargers game.
0: Well, I mean you, you mentioned it, uh you know, when you don't play in preseason, there's a thing called timing. And and when you're off when you're out of sync it shows in the pros. It's not like college football where the game moves a step slower, and, and timing isn't a, a major factor. Uh, but when you don't have that timing in place, a lot of times you see that. And, you know, one of the things I, I'm, you know, because I'm a former running back, I'm sure Ma and some of the other guys will say the same thing. You know, so many offenses have gone to where the running back is in the, is not a necessity position. It's like a an, an accessory. And, you know, they don't run block very well. Uh, and if they do run block very well, they, then they don't pass block. And it's got to get back to the old style of football where linemen can do both.
3: Greg, I and, and here's the thing. You were running back, so I, I don't want to ask, like, during the preseason, during training camp preseason, all of us media members were asking Josh McDaniels, you know, after the first two games, it's like uh, 14 different linemen, X amount of different rotations. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, that's normal, you know, because if you just stick with the same five guys, you're not going to get anywhere. We have this – is, this is our normal procedure – you know, basically making us feel like we're making it out more than it is to be. Uh, I'm, I'm sensing after watching yesterday that, no, they were a heavy emphasis on the O-line and they still haven't figured it out because as you mentioned, that looked like a big problem. And that comes to that on the coaching staff.
0: Well, I, I, I'm not going to put it all directly on the coaching staff. Like I said, I've got to, you know, put it on the players as well, They you know, uh, I know when I played, I, I went through a season in, uh, I want to say it was 89, where I, I literally held out the entire season. And it's a little different when a running back holds out and his timing is off because generally mine is based on speed. And it's not, t- it's not technical as a, a lineman's is. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you don't play a, an offensive lineman, you don't put that number one unit in all together, and they get that cohesiveness that co- that co- that co- that and that timing all down together, you, you you see the kind of play that you're going to see, and let's not let's not take away anything from the fact that you might have been facing two of the best rushers in in pro football. Absolutely, you know, and Khalil Mack and 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 uh, and, and Watson. I mean, so it's it's one of those things that you know Bosa, uh, you know, he, he, he's a beast as it was, and then you put a, a, another beast on the other side. That puts <laughs> a lot of pressure on two men, and if those guys aren't prepared and ready to go for it. They're going to get ate alive, and not that we got eaten alive. Uh, I saw what I wanted to see out of uh, Carr, except for the fact that for the first time, I actually watched him turn the ball over. You know, I've been telling people for a long time, he does one thing I love more than any quarterback in the league. He doesn't turn the ball over. And when you start turning the, the ball over, when you're getting desperate, that's what you see.
2: Did you think Carr looked a little flustered, though?
0: Oh, I'm sure he was rattled. I mean, you got to like I just said, you got two beasts on both outsides coming around the corner, and they were getting there. It wasn't like they were intimidating; they were hitting him. And you know, when you once a quarterback, I think, and, and I think if you talk to him, anytime you you knock a quarterback, uh, you knock a ball out of his hand coming off the, that edge like that, they're going to be leery of it again. Uh, that's the same, you know, when when I see a guy that's, you know, he's he, he's sneaking and he's going to blitz up the center, uh, and he's going to come from the inside. I'm going to start cheating as a running back. I'll cheat a step or two in to make sure I get myself in position so I can, you know, tattoo him before he tattoos me or runs over me. So that's just normal for anybody. You, if there's pieces of this game you got to dissect it the way you have to dissect it. But when a quarterback gets that ball swatted out of his hand coming off the edge, he's going to look for that, and it's going to be subliminally in the back of his mind. These guys are coming off the edge.
2: Yeah, I was a little disappointed that the Raiders didn't try to counteract the edge rushing with some running up the gut. I mean the numbers for Mac and Bosa were sixteen hurries and ten quarterback knockdowns. I mean you gotta make the defense honest. Mm-hmm. Pounded up the
0: middle. Thirteen carries, Greg. The
2: entire well, game well, for the Raiders.
0: You, yeah, and not only that, if you're gonna do if you're gonna stick with the passing game, then we're the screens. You know, I said the same thing about my alma mater last week and the week before Ohio State was killing them with the men off the edge and rushing. Throw a screen. It's still a part of the of the offense, isn't it? I mean, it would always work for us. You know, you don't have to abandon the run completely, but you can make them respect that back coming out of the backfield, and both of those guys can catch.
3: Speaking of Greg Bell, former Raiders running back here on Cofield & Company, ESPN 1100. Greg, um... <laughs> Gosh, there's so much to unfold. They help. Them. You go into the second half, though, and and I'm not a moral victory guy. I mean, because I, I I'm the last person that, after watching yesterday, want to say, well, let's see what the positives were out of it. Now, from a player standpoint, I know that's something that you want to do when you break down film the next day, right? And you come out of meetings after your off day on Tuesday. But uh, the defense, you know, in in being able to sort of make some adjustments, limit things. Chandler Jones, Max Crosby. Not one sack yesterday, but overall, in being able to keep the Raiders in the game, what you saw from the defense.
0: Yeah, the defense, you know, I I saw it all weekend. Uh, Same thing here in Los Angeles. Same thing with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The defense can only play. They need rest like everyone else. And when your defense is on the field, a large majority of the time uh, doing what they do. And, yeah, you know, pressure sometimes can be as good as a sack. I think Max Crosby and the group there, they did their best from a standpoint of keeping the game close. But the long and short of it is, even for them, you have to stop them from scoring. So you get a little moral victory on the side of the defense, Mm. but in the end of the story, they gave up 20-plus points. And you're going to lose games when you're giving up that many points in the National Football League. This isn't college football where you're going to assume that your team is going to score 25 to 30-plus points you know, you got to hold people down in that 14-point range in order to make sure you, you get a chance to win, and the long and short is our defense gave up too many points yesterday as well. It's a total team, I hate to say it this way, but it was a total team loss.
3: Uh, amazingly, I'm looking at the third down conversion chart. Raiders are actually, after week one, or you know, going into tonight's game, ranked ninth in the league, 45.5% conversion third down. Chargers 42.9, ranked 12th, but that's got to transition into points. So let's talk about Derek Carr. You, 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 you opened by talking about how one thing that you loved was the fact that he didn't turn the ball over. But the, the Carr to Adams connection, uh, the chemistry that so many people talked about, uh, Renfro wasn't targeted that many times. Waller had a big catch. What did you see in terms of what we've been hearing, this hype of the passing game uh, on the whole?
0: Well, I mean, I mean, I I think I actually saw the ice. I saw that, you know, we're talking about two guys that haven't played with each other in what seven years, eight years. Yeah. So I thought I saw good chemistry there, as well as getting Waller back into the game because towards the, you know, last year he kind of was non-existent in the game sometimes, and they got him back in involved. I'm not going to take anything away from the pass game other than the fact that we those interceptions, but. When you look at that team as a whole, if you can't run the ball, the passing is not going to be able to survive. If we're not going to win. We're not going to win just because we can outpass people. Because when you put the ball in the air, there's a chance of one thing happening, and it's likely to happen. And we're going to get some interceptions. Uh, has never been a 45 pass. You know, 45, 50 balls a game. You know, we we've kept him in in a, a real respectable 30, 35. He completes you know 70, 75 percent of that, and he keeps it. In our hands, and don't throw it. You know, you're not throwing it into the other people's hands. That's been his chemistry for the last, you know, six years, seven years. So, uh, I think he's a really good quarterback. I think our offense is going to produce, but the one element we've got to produce is, like you said, thirteen rushes. Doesn't that that doesn't scare anyone? And, And and Jacobs can run the ball. And the backup's not a bad-looking backup right now. I hate to say I don't know his name off the top, but when he went into the game, he looked like a very productive running one, and he caught the ball well. Um, I like Jacobs. I think that kid can get back to being a 1,000-yard plus because that's about the the, number of touches he's going to get anywhere between 220 and 250. So, I mean, I'd like to see us get to that point where we're running the ball at least 30 times a game.
3: And you know what? Um, Brandon Bolden, and he, that's who came over from New England. But this was, that was another big thing that was talked about was keeping six running backs in a running back by committee type of offense, 13 rushes. And I'm still, I'm still of the disbelief that Kenyon Drake was, was waived. And, of course, now he was picked up by Baltimore. But um, what you just talked about, screen passes and, and t- coming out of the backfield, that's what he was brought in for last year. I thought it was a mm-hmm. great mistake in not in, in, in letting him go.
0: Well, you know, since I didn't really get a chance to see much of the training camp, you no. know, uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't have all the things that we had done in the past from the legend standpoint. So, I, you know, I, I'm going to assume Josh saw something in Kenyon that he he couldn't use anymore. Uh, we, those are coaching decisions that you know I'm not a coach, so I won't even tell you I can make those decisions. Uh, but as a former player, you know, I like to see the full playbook put to use. And when you don't use the screen. Even the, the setting the back outside and doing the quick quick hitch, you know, we didn't. I didn't see a lot of things that eliminates the rush on the outside. You know, get the ball out of your hand and three quick straps, drops and get the ball out of your hand. That makes it that they have to sit back on that as well. So there, there's a lot that we got to, we saw out of last week, and I'm sure uh, I got to go off the history of Josh McDaniels. He's going to make the corrections, and, and I think we're going to be okay.
2: Greg Ballas former Raiders running back, Notre Dame guy, Bills, Ram monster years with the Rams. So how good are the Chargers? And did you see any Achilles heels with the Chargers?
0: Well, you know, the Chargers did the one thing in the offseason that they needed to do. They went out and got another beast on the other side. Uh, they got a really good defense the way it looks right now. Uh, you know, they, they got a complete team. I mean, I, I like the way the Chargers look. I told somebody coming into the season – you know, outside of the, the the Raiders and the Chargers, you know the question we're in the hardest division in the NFL right now. Next to you know, they, everybody puts it on the Rams and and and, uh, and and the Cardinals in San Francisco. But this is the I, I think of all the conferences in the National Football League, this is a definitive league right here. This the, the AFC West is a, a total conference. You're gonna you know one or two. I think all. Between the Rams, Kansas City, and, and uh, San Diego, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that. I keep doing that. are the San Diego to Chargers yep. to me. Uh, uh, but uh, between those three, I, I think you, I mean, you, you're going to see two for sure. And I don't even know how this new conference playoffs and who can make it. Not, but if, if, if three can make it, those three could, make, could be in there. And I'm just telling you, the Chargers have a very good unit. Uh, last year, the weak units was on defense. They've always been, you know, Herbert's always been able to put up 400-some-odd yards a game, and I think he's going to continue to do that. And their receivers, you've got to remember, they got continuity. They've been with each other now for, what, three years? They, they're, they're ready to, to step up to that next level and hit home runs. Um, they look very good as an offensive unit, and now that they put Khalil Mack in there, replaced a couple defensive backs, they've got a very outstanding defense. I, I tip my hat to San Diego, but I still like the Raiders' chance.
2: One last question, uh, actually on college football. How do you react to people looking at Notre Dame saying, hey, Marcus Freeman is in over his head after the loss to Ohio State and then the upset against Marshall?
0: Well, let me tell you what. If you could see my phone and all the taxes of all my teammates and Notre Dame that loves me, you would probably say the same thing. But you know what? I- I'm, I'm going to say this. I was at the Ohio State game, uh, and they played extremely well in the first half. And actually, as a defensive unit, they spent so much time on the field I thought, you know, the offense kind of let them down in the Ohio State game, uh, not being able to put the ball into the, not only not forget about in the end zone, they couldn't even get it down really into the red zone. So uh, the offense has got to really step up. I don't know if you know it, but the quarterback who I knew, uh, if it happened, you keep running a quarterback that much, he's going to get hurt. He's out for the next four months. So now we're back to the situation. Who's going to play quarterback for Notre Dame? And that's going to be the biggest question mark. And And Freeman's going to have to adjust to it. Maybe somebody's going to rise to the occasion. Uh, but that's going to be an interesting position for them. And, and if they can't get someone that can complete a 20 yard pass, uh, on some type of consistency, Notre Dame's going to have a hard season. You know, we came into the season talking about Clemson and Ohio State. And now we got to talk about Marshall. We got to talk about Cal. We definitely got to talk about SC. And we've owned SC for the past, you know, five or six years. So. You know, there's, there's a change in football, and unfortunately for Freeman, he's in it great as, you know, he is he over his head? I, I can't answer that but I don't know him that well. I've only met him once. But Notre Dame's got a uh, – they're going to have a, a hard schedule here where we thought it was going to be an easy schedule.
2: Greg, we appreciate the time, especially on short notice. That was a great conversation. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, appreciate it, guys. Talk to you soon.
2: There he is. Former NFL player, really good running back, Greg Bell, big star at Notre Dame, and we'll get to college football Next hour up. Next though, we'll take a break from the Raiders for a couple minutes. Willie's got to calm down, although he may freaking blow his top. Probably shouldn't. Aces won. They get out to a one nothing lead in the WNBA Finals.
0: Join the conversation
4: on Twitter at Cofield and Co.
3: Willie Ramirez with the Associated Press, ladies. With about 4:33 left in the third, De'Erica came in and sparked this team. Can you just comment on her play?
1: First of all, I like your suit. Real nice. <laughs> yeah, she changed the game for us. Um, <laughs> hey, fresh, bro. Crazy
0: about it, You're listening to Cofield and Company live at
2: Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football on the way, Twin Peaks. Great specials. Happy Hour is awesome here. Monday to Friday, Happy Hour is awesome. <laughs> Two to seven. dollar off liquor, wine, and drafts. You got the big domestic draft, 375. Two bucks on the chips and salsa, mini tacos, fried pickles, chips and queso, mozzarella bites for four bucks, triple play, uh, quesadillas, six boneless wings, also $6. That was post game from yesterday?
3: Yeah, I built a little rejoin for you. Nice. Yeah.
2: Okay. Might want to explain what was going on there.
3: So, I. Anybody who watched the game saw that Connecticut sort of put it on Vegas after the first quarter. completely transitioned the game into their style of play which was defense tenacity physicality um and into the third quarter and then out of nowhere and i and i will say that uh the day before i had sat with becky hammond for four or five minutes and said uh you know what are you gonna do with the she said i don't know i don't know if i'm ready to put her out there really because of how physical they are and I asked her and asked Chelsea and Asia, and I asked Becky, and she said, you know what, Uh, they were dominating us, and I looked in and I said, my biggest, baddest uh, beast is at the end of the bench. And if that's how they want to play, well, then that's my girl. De'Erica Hamby comes in and plays 10 minutes and absolutely changed the complexion of the game. You could talk about Aces' points. You could talk about Chelsea's points. But De'Erica Hamby is the reason the Aces came back because of her. the way that she laid a body on Alyssa Thomas. She had three rebounds, two of them offensive. She had a steal, turned into points. Assisted on Raquana Williams' big three. I mean, it was a major, major turnaround. I looked at Jackie Powell from Leach Report. I was like, they need Erica. This is why they need D'Erica. She goes, yeah, but I don't know if she can play. Quarter later, she was in the game, and we saw what happened. So I asked Chelsea that. I said, hey, because they were talking about Becky's halftime speech, and someone asked before that, they said, can you talk about it? And they went, no, no, we can't even give you the edited version. There's no edited version. It was... It must have been tirade laced with swear words, but so I said to her, I said to the to Chelsea and Asia, you know the uh, becky 's edited version that i we interpreted was that what you weren 't doing, Dierica did, and then that 's when Chelsea before she answered said she complimented my suit so
2: huh. so what weren 't they doing
3: they weren 't getting to the boards they weren 't getting into the paint they weren 't defending and playing physical basketball they weren 't getting second chance opportunities, and they were basically getting their mouths punched in. By the bully. And you know, I asked a couple of them this before the game. I asked Alyssa Thomas and I asked Kelsey Plum. Both of them were like, eh, maybe, but it looked like the late 80s, Detroit Bad Boys versus Lakers Showtime. Because what we've seen all season is Becky Hammond sort of bring an NBA style of basketball, that up tempo, fun basketball that everybody loves, a high scoring. This is the highest scoring team in basketball in the NBA or WNBA. Ninety points per game in the regular season, 92 in the playoffs. They were held to their entire season low yesterday, 67 points. Uh, Fourth, fifth lowest shooting percentage. They shot in the 20s percentages of three-point shots. So Connecticut came in and completely changed. And Becky, it's it. Everything that I asked them to do before the game, they did none of it. And she went down the laundry list, which is basically every single hustle stat, you know, getting the boards, getting offensive boards, Blocking out, they 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 clogged the paint. They didn't allow Asia to get it. I mean, they limited her space. So Connecticut transitioned the game into their style of play, their pace, and it worked. And when DeErica came in, literally because, and you know Kelsey Plum one for nine, she did everything that she could. She hit a three late that get, that extended the lead to four. But still, the, the, it's it's you can't get into a rhythm and get your timing if you're getting blanketed so much, and that's what they were able to do. Chelsea Gray was getting the ugliest shots off, but she hits those. We asked her. On, on their uh, media availability uh, a couple days ago, she said, I practice those on purpose. What she's learned to do as a veteran, she practices those on purpose. So people in her face, putting the hand up, going off balance. Those off weird off balance, you're going, well, she's just taking desperation shot to beat the shot clock, and she's hitting them. So, you know, you can't get everybody else involved because of the way that they were playing. De'Erica Hamby single-handedly the, uh, changed the complexion of that game.
2: Last 30 seconds of this hour. So is this what you expect from the series, brawl ball? A
3: little bit, but uh, Becky smiling and says, I know what I'm doing next game. So I expect some adjustments. I think that they're going to run because here's the thing about Connecticut. Probably the best adjustment team in terms of diversity at both ends of the floor, even better than Vegas. It can play the same style as Vegas, or it can play the physical brand of slow down basketball.
2: Awesome specials here at Twin Peaks. Come on down. I told you about happy hour just a couple minutes ago, but then they've got weekly specials. On Cuervo shots, house margaritas, just five bucks. The big Dos Equis and Modelo, just five bucks. You can get a spicy margarita. Hello. Like that one. And then there's also a bucket special. Twin Peaks on Eastern Monday Night Football. We're here until 5 o'clock. Come party with Willie.